We don't play the social game. We are social. Power 98.5. You're listening to Power 98.5, powered by United Angels Dream, your number one resource for public relations, entertainment, and multimedia. Contact them today at unitedangelsdream.com. Hi, this is Dan Aykroyd. He's progressive. He's beautiful. He's thoughtful. He's intelligent. He's powerful. He's positive. He is Stephen Quoco on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. Empowering listeners from the US to the UK. Live on air with Stephen Quoco. Hi, this is Casper Van Dien from Starship Troopers, Tarzan, Sleepy Hollow, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Tune in to interview with acclaimed radio personality Stephen Kuko on Power 98.5. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from here and all around the world. No matter where you are, you are here with us on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. Tune in. If you're not already, get a hold of your friends, get a hold of your family. We are, we've got, no, here, Alexa. We've got power985.com. We are also on iOS and Android. So download the app. You know, it's very interactive. There's an alarm clock on that app. You can send us direct messages on that. We've got Tom Palarulo here with us today. He's a professional MMA fighter. So share the love, the support. If you have any questions for Tom, you want to support him in any way by, you know, sharing tips and insight or anything. I mean, he's so professional and he's got such a great team, uh, you know, with him. But you know what? Little words of encouragement can go a long, long way. So once again, head on over to power985.com or download the iOS or Android app. Uh, You know, if you're there with anyone, you know, heck, get on there, you know, be part of the family. We're not like any other station out here. You all know I've been in PR and media for over 30 years, so I learned what works and I understand what doesn't work. And then I just figured out how can I just incorporate the best of the best of the best in one place. And uh, we're here. We, we've got new music coming out today. I think, what, 30 tracks over maybe 25, 30? I think my team's got to, yeah, they're going to be adding today. So looking forward to that. We just had Tanner Howe uh, on, from NBC The Voice Season 22. You can catch that interview if you're not able or available to tune in live or to be able to listen to the live that's recorded. So today we're live live. I've been asked this and really want to give a, a good detailed explanation so you know. All of my shows are live live, just like we're going to be here with Tom Palarulo here today live, but it's also recorded. So it will be re-aired as a live show and you can go to power985.com or once again, uh, Download the iOS or Android app, stay up to date. There is a live schedule there, and you can see all upcoming shows, not just mine, but we've got Catherine Swain with Catherine and Company. We've got Alicia Pazzoni with Resilient You with Alicia Pazzoni. So all the latest and the greatest is there. Upcoming events, we've got some potential partnerships we're going to be getting involved in. Uh, also, whether it's fashion shows or red carpet premieres, we're going to be adding a lot more to that schedule coming up who else what else was going on we have georgie karkanian he is december 1st uh, 11 a.m pacific uh, we just had casper van Dien. Uh, he was yesterday that is available right now we do send these shows over to my distribution company if you are unable to listen to us live Uh, You can always catch up. There's no reason you don't need an account. You don't need a phone number here. It is absolutely free. I designed it that way. However, if you're loving the show, you're loving the guest, we are also available on Amazon Music, Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, many more. Stream 24-7 live on Live FM Radio, Streama, MyTuner, Streamitter. Yeah. (laughs) My team's the list goes on and on. I, you know, you guys tell me all the time. I don't like scripts. I should have something here and, and, you know, can go down a list of 
all of the things and have it all prepared for you, but I don't want to do it. I, I refuse to have a little check sheet or some type of script in front of me because it's obvious, you know, someone's reading something and it sounds it when you've got like bullet points and everything else. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. Uh, Tom Palarulo, I, I, I was not going to fuck up his name. I promised him through and through I was going to learn it. Um, I understand as an Italian as well what can happen with my name, and it was important. I like a challenge. It didn't feel like a challenge. But, yes, sometimes my the way I process things as a New Jersey native and my accent uh, can tend to, you know, have a little different tone or put something different in something, especially someone's name. And I was not going to do that to this guy. He's a professional MMA fighter, uh, New England cartel, extraordinary, uh, you know, human being, professional, award-winning smile, doing great things. He was just on the Combat Zone. He did an interview, uh, Combat Zone 78, uh, talking about his life and his his matches and his wins. And we're going to get direct from him to know who he is, his story, his mission, his passion, and everything that inspires him in life. Because here's the thing. When they go into these rings, when they go into these matches, whether it's football, MMA, boxing, uh, you know, soccer, hockey, they have no idea if they're going to come out of it, the same as they went into it. You know, no one wants loose teeth. No one wants blood on their face. No one wants a fractured jaw or a broken nose or anything. So really look and consider that sports and people who are professional athletes like Tom take it so seriously and they're wanting to provide for their family, provide for themselves, live a lifestyle and not have to be subjected to getting paid, what, 24 times a year. Most people get paid every two weeks. He wants to make a substantial living. All athletes do. They have a bigger passion. They wouldn't be doing it if they were not passionate about what they're doing in the world and in the world of sports. With that being said, Tom, I'm really, really impressed by you. You you're doing exceptional things in the world for yourself, for your family. Your confidence is just through the roof. And I mean, like, I would not ever think you had an insecurity about yourself. Why is that? Well, uh, first, thanks for having me on, Steve. Appreciate you having me and taking the time to speak with me. Um, I don't know. I've, uh, I think it's the people I'm around. Uh, they bring out the best in me, my team. Um, they actually, my, my teammate, Rob Font, he uh, tells me all the time he had to trick me into being confident in myself because when I first started, I wasn't the most confident person. And then uh, being around him and the people he's put me around, he's kind of just brought out the confidence in me and uh, made me believe in myself. I would like to know from you, I don't think this is a question I've ever asked before. And if I had, I'm, I'm asking it differently, possibly. Is there a misperception about what it means to be an athlete, whether you're considered professional or not, and in the world of MMA, is it taken seriously? Do people really understand it? And if not, what can you say to the world and to the listeners now and in the future of what we should know about your world? Yeah, um, I think MMA is becoming a little more mainstream. Um, I think over the pandemic where the UFC was the only uh, sporting event on TV, it kind of became a little more mainstream during that, but um, it's 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 a different sport. Uh, MMA is a, a different sport than, than football, basketball. It's it's I don't even like to call it a sport. It's a lifestyle. We don't really have an off season. Uh, we always have to be ready for for that call to come in and to get in the ring. And you talked about making that that livelihood, making a living doing this. And you know we're not guaranteed a certain amount of money each year or uh, a certain amount of fights each year. So you kind of just always being ready to, to get in there and do what we got to do. But um, yeah, it, it's different, but I think uh, the world's going to start understanding a little more as it becomes more mainstream. It, can it be, you know, slightly scheduled or not? What would I say? Um, what would be the word? All right. So you're in your own lane. You're doing what you do best. You're doing what you love. 
we know that there's 8 billion people in the world. Can it be stressful or feel slightly stressful because you're working with and competing against people that are up and coming established, they're already established, but yet there are new professionals like you that are really entering into the sport in a very strong way. So are you always competing with the people of the past, the present, and the future? Uh, yeah, I, I guess in a sense, if you want to break it down into like the people in the actual sport, um, it, it's it's a quickly evolving sport. It's so new. I think uh, it really became around like the 90s is when we saw like kind of modern mixed martial arts begin. So that's still pretty new compared to, you know, the other mainstream sports. Um, but as a young up and comer, you know, you do run into the guys who have been around for a while. And uh, it, it's an unforgiving sport because, like I said, it, it evolves so fast. So it's like you have these young guns coming up and uh, their their skills are just so much different than the guys who have been around for a while. Um, but, yeah, it, it definitely adds a little more stress. You know, as, as the sport evolves so quick, you have to keep up with it. So um, it's, it's a full-time job, man. You just had a fight. Let me get my glasses. <laughs> Christina was like, you better get your glasses. All right. <laughs> you had Sunday, November 7th, Providence, Rhode Island. How was that match? What happened? Tell us more. So November 7th was actually last year um, in that? Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I fought November 19th, so last weekend, um, in Manchester. New Hampshire. Um, that's my most recent one. That one went well. Uh, that was my first professional main event, um, which means I headlined the card. Uh, I took on a vet with 30 fights, and uh, I got him out of there in the first round with a technical knockout, so the yeah, referee stepped in to stop it. But um, yeah, it was a good performance and, and did my thing. For those that are tuning in, and thank you for the love and support here, we have Tom Palarulo. He is no, I'm going to say you are an award-winning MMA fighter, right? You've won awards. Uh, yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, I've won some <laughs> awards as an amateur. I uh, won some amateur titles and stuff. Now in the professional ranks, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm climbing the ladder. When do you get out of that amateur role? Because when I see you and, and I watched your past videos, that's not amateur to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's so different across each state uh, what they define as an amateur. There's different rules. Um, I know some states they make you wear shin guards for kicking, and you can't even some some uh, promotions you can't even strike to the head on the ground if you're an amateur. Um, but where I grew up fighting in uh, the amateurs around where I am in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, it's pretty much the same as the pros, just three minute rounds, and there's no elbows or knees to the head. Uh, but everything else is pretty much the same. So. You kind of make that jump. It's I think there's some criteria where you have to have so many amateur fights, and uh, they have to you have to apply for a license that gets approved by the um, boxing commission and athletic commission. Um, but really, it's up to your team, your coaches. They decide when you're ready, and if you feel ready, you can make that jump. Are you ever going to get bigger? You're known as being a featherweight. Will you ever yep. get larger in size? Will you ever change categories down the road? Um, we'll see. So featherweight is 145 pounds. Um, I don't weigh 145 pounds all the time. I walk around in between like 160 and 165. Um, so I make the cut down to 45 for my fights, but, um, I'm not, I'm tall. I'm six feet tall. She's pretty tall for the weight class. Um, but we'll see. I think I'm kind of like the average walking around weight for my weight class and I'm still young. So if I get older and I start putting on a little more weight, a little more size, We'll see. But uh, for right now, I think Featherweight is going to be my home. All right. So I'm like, I just found out I always was like 5'8", near 5'8". I think I'm like around 5'7", five, 5'7 seven, five, seven and, and I'm about 140, 143. You're six foot. How the hell yep. can you be 145 pounds <laughs> and still stand up in a fight? I, uh, I weigh 145 pounds for about 10 minutes. It's, uh, we, we weigh in the day before the fight. So um, I work with a nutritionist and she helps me get my weight down to about 10 pounds over my weight class. And then we do what's called a, a water cut. And I'll do that like the night before weigh-ins where I'm pretty much just dehydrating all the water I've been putting into my body. And, and it's pretty much 10 pounds of water that comes out of you. And then, um, yeah, I'll weigh uh, 145 at weigh-ins and then, I step in the cage, I'm close to about 160 when I get in there. So 
it's a uh, it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy part of the sport, but you got to do it. Most people don't talk about it, and it's not normally mentioned, but it happens to everyone. I don't believe anyone is, ex- is exempt. If it doesn't, it's at such a tiny little fraction. To do what you do, the diet, the training, the expectations that you have on yourself, maybe with other people, you don't want to let anyone down. Everyone who gets into that ring, you and your opponent, both of you want to win. Somebody has to win. There's not going to be two winners. Would like that, but it's not realistic. How do you maintain healthy emotional and mental stability in your life? Training, not training, 145, 160. What do you do to keep yourself sane? Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part of the sport that the outsider doesn't really understand so much is all the the mental components that go into it. Um, When you get a fight scheduled, you know on that date, I'm getting to a cage with a trained killer to to go to war with them and and get into a fist fight with them. And that's an uneasy feeling for anyone, whether you're trained, untrained. Fighting is a a scary thing, and I'm brutally honest about it. Backstage, I'm terrified the whole time. I think everyone's a little nervous and is, is scared. Anyone who says they're not, they're they're out of their mind. <laughs> um, I think everyone feels those emotions a little bit back there. Um, and for me, it's not so much the being afraid of getting hurt. Um, I've been there. I've done that. It's more the pressure we put on ourselves to win and, and to be successful. Um, so that's where my nerves come from. Is just I, I pulled myself to these high standards and I want to perform to those standards and and make my team proud and, and myself proud. So um, I think it's important to not get too trapped in those feelings, those thoughts. Um, I try and think of it as you have like two bank accounts, right? You have the negative and the positive. And when you start putting things into the negative, it can turn dark. So I try and just build up that positive bank account and, and put all the, the good things I've done throughout my fight camp and, and all the good things that could happen into that uh, positive bank account and just focus on those thoughts. And um, it helps me kind of, control everything and, and a good teammate of mine said we all get those butterflies we just gotta make them fly in formation so i kind of just try and take the advice of the the people around me who have been doing it for a while and uh kind of my own mental strategies and it's been working for me it really is I, and i like how you made that reference that that bank account i like that mm. i've never heard of that before yeah it's um it's it's just a, a little analogy a teammate gave to me and i've been running with it and um I really think if you just hyper focus on all the positives in your life, then you're going to have more positive outcomes in everything you do. But when we stress the negative things, it's like when you think about it so much, now they're going to start happening. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's just being positive and, and any, not just fighting, but anything, just kind of hyper focus on the positives and, and good things happen. What was the turning point for you? And I've got to ask, because actually a question came in uh, by Andrea out of Chicago. How old are you? I am 25 years old. Look, here's the thing. Two things. Okay. One, why the beard? Because my team sent over some really good photos. I like to dive into your world and look at images. You look, without the beard, like a teenager. I'm not saying you don't look 25. (laughs) There's a huge difference between when you have facial hair and none. So why, why, and it's sophisticated, and, and I'm saying this as a compliment, why the Abe Lincoln beard? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I think I just like it. I don't know. I like the way it looks. My coach and manager gives me crap for it all the time. He's like, <laughs> you look like one of those Russian fighters with that thing. But uh, I love it, man. Um, I think also, you know, having a little something on the chin to, to absorb a little bit of impact never hurt anyone. Um, but like you said, I also look like I'm 16 years old without it. So maybe that's why. <laughs> you do. You really, really do. So you're known as Tom the Phenom Palarulo. Yeah. What does it mean, the Phenom? Why did you choose that as a recognized title? Yeah, so that kind of came uh, freshman year of college in my dorm room with my roommate. Uh, I was just getting into fighting, and we were joking around. He's like, well, everyone has like a, a nickname that fights. So we were trying to come up with stuff. I was going to start uh, selling little shirts for my fights. That's kind of how we make money. Um we, we get sponsors and we put their logos on the back of our shirts and we wear them out when we fight. And then we also sell them as merchandise. 
so we were trying to come up with the name and he threw the phenom at me i was like i like it because it rhymes you know what i mean and then i gotta hold myself to that standard you're gonna call yourself the phenom you got to uh some, some big standards to live up to and you got to live up to the name so that's kind of how that came to be it works you own it you own it without having to try hard appreciate it <laughs> Take us back a little bit, if not a lot. What's the first memory you have? What was the pivotal moment in your life where you decided, I'm going to become a professional MMA fighter, and why? Yeah. Um, well, I started training in mixed martial arts right out of high school. Um, I had been wrestling since fourth grade. So I kind of been around these combat sports for a while. I did traditional karate growing up. Um, and I had a friend of mine who was doing MMA at the time, getting ready for a fight, asking me to come into his gym. Uh, he just wanted some more bodies to give him some wrestling work. So I went to the gym and helped him out and decided I kind of like this myself. So um, I never, when I started, I didn't think about doing it as like a career like I am now. It was just something to keep competing after wrestling. Um, so I, I tried it and then I fell in love with it. Um, which is weird because when I grew up, I'd watch it on TV when it was still on spike TV. And I remember thinking to myself as a little kid, I'm so happy. I never have to do this. This looks insane. Um, but now I'm doing it as a career. So, um, I think in college, like towards the end of college, um, I had my whole amateur career throughout school. So I was balancing school and, and, and fighting. I'd go back and forth to the gym and in my school, which was about, an hour and 20 minute drive. Um, and I started to do really well as an amateur and I met Rob Font, who is the number, I want to say he's number six right now in the UFC on uh, the bantamweight division. So he's one of the best in the world. He kind of took me under his wing and, and showed me like, look, you can do this. Um, you can do this full time. You can do this as a career and kind of made me believe in myself. And from that point on, I was all in. And, uh, as soon as I got out of college, this is what I started doing full time. You wrote, uh, it, for all those that are listening, you can head on over to Tom's page. He's known by Tom Pags, T-O-M-P-A-G. That's on the Instagram. Uh, two days ago, you posted that feeling when things go exactly to plan. Those moments can be a rarity in professional combat sports. Thanks for making me good at tossing my bones at people. <laughs> and that was to uh, referencing over there to, to Jake, uh, Jake the Man. Yep, uh, Jake Manini, he's my Muay Thai coach. Um, yeah, he developed a, a great plan for me going to that fight. Um, and a lot of times we have plans going to these fights, and fighting is a very unpredictable sport. So you can have that game plan, but as soon as things go sideways, that game plan goes right out the window, and you got to be able to adjust on the spot. But uh, this time things were just going. It seemed too good to be true. Uh, we were joking after the fight, like everything – we had planned for that my opponent would do and the reactions he'd give me, he was doing them exactly. And I remember in the fight just being like, wow, this seems too perfect. And uh, so it was just a big appreciation for my coach, Jake, for, for coming up with the game plan he did and then uh, getting me to a point where I could execute it like that. What's brilliant, and I don't, I'm sure you know this or about this of yourself, is when I watched your past videos, there is something different about you that I don't often see. Most people, you know, we as men, you know, where we've got that natural hunter to where we've got those horse blinders on and we just are direct. Like the vision is just very clear directly. There's something about you to where you have, what is it, a 180 or 360? Like you know how to intuitively, logically see everything around you. I notice that about your eyes. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I try and take it all in, just live in the moment. Um, I, I try and flip that switch when I'm in the cage and just, I'm a different person when I'm in there. You kind of have to be, um, I'm a very passive person outside of fighting. I'm, I don't like conflict. I, I get along with everyone. Uh, if there's conflict, I normally walk away from it unless it's something I, I feel like for my safety, I need to step in or someone else's safety. But other than that, I'm, not a fan of conflict, but I like competing. I like the sport I compete in. So when I'm in there, um, I flip that switch and I physically, like you said, see everything. I, I'm literally opening my eyes wider, trying to see everything that's coming my way, um, especially my opponent. Um, and, and I try and keep a, a calmness to me while I'm in there uh, before and during the fight because um, you can get 
you can get caught up in those emotions and and that nervous energy and, and things can go sideways real fast. So I try and just stay calm and, and focus on my breathing because that can be the only thing you can control at times. So, um, yeah, just taking it all in and being in the moment. In your 25 years, Tom, yep. what did you experience and learn in your life that maybe others would consider, wow, either you shouldn't have done that or it, that that could have turned out to be a mistake. What has happened in your life that maybe could have been considered a mistake or accidental, but really worked in your favor and helped you become who you are today? Yeah, I guess just walking into an MMA gym is kind of a crazy thing to do. Uh, I remember the first time I went in that first week, I came home with a big black eye and my mom being like, what are you doing? Um, (laughs) You know, she, she, dealt with the wrestling for so long and now i was doing this and and to her at the time she knew nothing about the sport other than like she's seen it a few times on tv and it was just this barbaric thing i could be doing so um i guess i could have turned away from it um you know she supports me 100 percent now but at the time my family's kind of like you really want to do this you really want to get into this fighting thing but now they're they're behind it 100 um, percent they see how much it means to me and how much of my time I've invested into it. And, and it's been a lot, you know, I've invested everything. I've kind of put myself in a position where it's this or, or nothing for me. You know, I don't have a other job, but this is all I do. Um, and I got a great support system to help me do that. But um, yeah, I guess just the, the beginning walking into that gym could have been a, could have, if I didn't go in, could have changed my life completely in a different direction. If you would like to and are comfortable. I would like to give a big shout out to your girlfriend Savannah. Yep, Savannah. It's it's spelled it's it's pronounced a little differently than it's spelled. It's uh, Savannah. Savannah. I like that. Yep, that's uh, that's uh, it's exotic. <laughs> it uh, is. It is. <laughs> with Savannah, as I looked at even from your post six days ago, so much to be thankful for today. Grateful to walk out of the cage Saturday night healthy. Okay, we were yep. just talking about that. Grateful for all my incredible sponsors that support my dream. When I see host of you and Savannah together, uh, it, what's remarkable is you have this grounded vibe about you. Does she do that to you? Or is it just when you are around the right people connected in the right moment and feeling absolutely safe within yourself and your environment? Do we get to see or do people get to see that glow that spirit of who you are yeah um i i think so for sure um like you said it's a combination of having the the right people around me but as far as she goes she's my rock um she's that safety net she's she puts up with all this it's not an easy uh thing to be a part of especially when it's your significant other um and, and she's been with me uh, over nine years now, we actually started dating when I was 16. So she sat in the, the bleachers of the high school wrestling matches and, and done all that. And now uh, it's the stage has gone a little bigger with fighting and she supports me a hundred percent. You know, she's working three jobs. She's, she's doing all this stuff around the house to make sure I can uh, chase my dream and, and not have to really stress about anything else. And she's in a hundred percent. So um, having that kind of support and knowing like your significant other is, is behind you 100%. It kind of gives me the freedom to really go all in on this and, and chase my dream. Marriage down a road, maybe? Possibly? It's coming. It's coming, <laughs> I think. Uh, we'll get there. A um, few more few more fights, put some money aside, and, and we'll make it happen. That's awesome. I yeah, I see your beer of choice is a Corona. It is. It, I'm, I'm consistent with it. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, simple. it's simple and basic after a fight, I like a nice cold Corona, but... Uh, yeah, not a huge drinker, but I like to enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, they are good. Lime or no lime? I like a lime. Yeah, yeah. a little bit I of do. salt. Yeah, some people don't know that. I I add a little bit of salt and lime. Um, I'm gonna have to try it seriously. Who would be the best sponsor? What type of it would it be? You know, Corona or Anheuser? Like, what do you look for you and your team in sponsorships? Yeah, so. Um, I work with a lot of local businesses to, to where I live. And then there's some a little larger that are a little further away that we work with. But um, as far as like me personally, um, 
if I'm taking you on as a sponsor, one, I'm super grateful um, for, for even wanting to be a part of my journey, but I look at you as part of the team. You know what I mean? You're not just a, a business part, your partner, you're a, you're a part of my team now. And um, I want, I want people who support what I'm doing and are, are in it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Um, as an up and comer, uh, I'm surrounded by some, some bigger names in the sport and I've dealt with people who go through me to get to them type of thing. Um, and, and I can sense that out pretty fast now. It was pretty hard at the beginning, but now I know who actually wants to work with me and who wants to work with the the people around me and are using me to get to them. So someone who just actually supports my dream, I guess, and, and pretty much all my sponsors do. They're all they're all great. Um, a lot of them aren't doing it for the return on their end. They're just doing it because they want to see me succeed and, and see me reach my dreams. And um, it, it's huge. Without sponsors, it's hard in the regional MMA scene, the local scene to truly get to that next level. Um, the money's not great in the sport. Even when you get to the UFC, it's still not the greatest, but especially uh, fighting locally and on the regional scene, your money mainly comes from your sponsors. So without them, this thing's a whole lot harder. I've never asked this before. I'm comfortable with you, but I also, you know, I, you can even answer if you want once we're off the live. Uh, when we think about sponsorship or mm -hmm. sponsorships, what is the goal? Do, do you have a package? Like, let's say if like somebody wants to go ahead and invest, or I want to go ahead and invest or sponsor you, what, what do we do? What do we look at? How do you go about sponsoring someone like you? Yep. So I break it down into packages. Um, they've changed a little bit as I've progressed in my career and the lights get a little bigger. Um, but pretty much is you're it's, it's like a marketing ad you're, you're buying. So I have different size logos that I will put on uh, we talked about the fight shirts earlier. So mm -hmm. the shirts that people will buy, the merchandise, and my team all wears them when we walk out in the cage. And then we have a banner that gets hung in the cage as they introduce me. Um, and it has all the logos on it as well. So like a small logo, I have a, it's like a $500 package. A medium logo is an $800 package. And a big logo is a $1,000 package. And those will go on both the banner and shirt. So businesses choose which one they want to do. Um, I appreciate anything that they, they want to do. And uh, yeah, it, it's pretty simple. It's all like per a fight. So um, yeah, it, it's real basic. That that That's reasonable pricing. I didn't think it was, I'm going to tell you, like that's low. Yeah, <laughs> regionally, um, I try not to, I guess, over sell myself, overprice myself. Like I said, I work with a lot of smaller businesses. Um, and as things grow, like I said, those those packages will grow as well. And that's per fight. Yep. Wow. Um, and then you just have the company send in their logo or, and you guys just tweak it and do what you need with it to position it. Yep. So they'll send me their logo and I work with a graphic designer and, uh, an apparel company, North shore apparel. They're actually one of my sponsors. Um, and they'll kind of handle all that where I really don't have to do anything. I have like a website where people order their shirts, they get mailed right to them. Uh, the banner gets sent right to me and it's, a uh, pretty stress stress-free for me now um at the beginning of this when i was an amateur i was doing it all myself oh. i was making the shirt myself i was selling them myself it was, it was a pain on top of getting ready for a fight so um yeah things have evolved a little bit over the years yeah i don't know if you really want to do that to you, yourself you like i use a I, i've got a t-shirt line and stuff and i rather someone else be responsible for that because i don't want to be handling someone being like i put this in a wash once and now it's faded. I don't want yeah. to <laughs> let, the, let yeah. the company deal with that. <laughs> 100%. And then they can send out a free one or whatever they do to compensate. Yeah. Um, what's what's next for you? What, what do you have looking forward to for the rest of this year, you know, in the ring or is it next year? Yeah. So it's probably going to be next year uh, when I fight again. Um, uh, the same promotion, Combat Zone, I just fought for. I'll probably be fighting for them in February. And then I'm kind of at that sweet spot in my career. I'm, I'm five and one right now. I get another win that's six and one. That's kind of the number they look for the UFC is looking for. And they'll throw you on. They have a show called the contender series. So you fight in front of Dana White. He's the owner of the UFC for a contract. Um, so that could be next. But for me, I just try and make it real simple for myself and just tell myself to keep winning and good things will happen. So my plan is just the next one, you know, focus on the next one. It's the most important one. And then uh, just keep winning. 
what would be your, and I've got to ask this, what would be your go-to meal? If you're not training, you're not dieting, you're not on restriction, we know you love Corona with Lyme, but what is your, <laughs> what's your food of choice? Uh, it's a tough one. Um, I love Mexican food. We normally go out to a good Mexican restaurant right after I fight. Uh, anything pasta, you know, Italian family, my mom's home cooked meals. Those are always the best. But uh, I guess anything in those two worlds. Oh, you don't have to worry about gaining weight. 25, enjoy it. I'm going to be... Tw- <laughs> I'm going to be 49 in April. And I'm going to tell you, I was like your size when I was younger. I couldn't break 120 pounds, literally. Finally, about time I got into my 30s. That's when I noticed when they say your body changes every seven years and I'm go- coming into my another seven year. I like the changes that are happening now. So when you get into your 40s, Tom, we know you're going to look Gucci, you know, very, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Beckham style, but your body really does change. And now, you know, for myself, it's weird, but it is a mind fuck. And, And this is my whole, my getting to the point to be asking you is when you notice the changes in your body and everything else like that, do you find even at the age of 25 and moving forward, do you spend more time focusing on your physique, but also making sure you don't develop body dysmorphia like most people do? Because I'm going to be honest, that is something I started to begin to struggle with because I never had fat in my midsection. I never felt like, like I'm not big. I don't have a stomach and I don't eat junk. Like I eat to my blood type, I, you know, fish and vegetables and things like that. I do like an occasional Reese's pieces, buttercup stopped <laughs> with the, uh, with the, uh, um, Dr. Peppers. I didn't really drink them that much, but do you ever have, um, concern or thought to your own health as you are advancing and getting older and noticing changes in your body, like to prevent and what do you do to prevent, um, those hidden signs of creeping up of body dysmorphia. Have you ever given thought to that? Yeah. A hundred percent, especially where you're in a sport that's, that's ruled by weight classes. Um, I think it's, it's definitely uh, an important topic. Um, I've always been pretty lean Um, in high school. I think it took until sophomore year of high school for me to break a hundred pounds. I was short. I was just this tiny little kid. And then I started to grow a little bit towards the end of high school and now I'm six feet tall. And, you know, like I said, walked around about 160, 165 pounds. Um, I'm very active. Obviously I'm a professional athlete. So my, my job is to, to be working out, I guess all the time. So, um, I try not to hyper focus, especially for my, for my sport, how I look too much, I guess. I think, you know, everyone likes to look in the mirror and see themselves and, and be happy with what's looking back at them. Um, but, I haven't run into it too much. I guess when I'm getting down to 145, which is a very not normal way of losing weight, you know, you kind of look at yourself and you're like, Jesus, I'm super skinny right now. I'm not happy with how I'm looking right now, but you know, it's temporary. Yeah. And then there's the other thought of, well, fighting's not forever. You know, professional sports aren't forever. It's a kind of a short window. And then what's going to happen after that, you know? And, and to me, it's just important to, to always take care of myself and make it a priority that even when I'm done fighting someday, I'm still taking care of my body. And, you know, I won't be working out as, as much as I am now or, or training that hard, but I think, uh, I'll still maintain a, a healthy lifestyle and I, that's important. Um, but no, I haven't really run into that, like body dysmorphia too much. I would say it definitely like is a, a thought that when we get down the weight, for sure, we start to think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it creeps up on you. I, I never knew it. I have a background in psychology. I used to work as a grief counselor. And because of my training and those hidden cues and signs is when I caught it. And mm. I was like, all right. I, I literally was like concerned because I'm going to tell you, I, I lived life like you when I was built the same way. I just know that, you know, weight weight or fat can be an adversary but at the same time you know what i learned my mother was a nurse that fat also absorbs toxins to prevent the body to go into autotoxicity and so with that being said uh you know everything that we take in we want to eat you know as clean and everything as much as possible 
but at the same time, it, it's, you know, even today, you know, I, I just, I miss that lean, that waist that you have. I used to have that. I don't care about the six pack, the eight pack, but it's just that lean waist. So I'm surprised. I'm not surprised I'm sharing this because I'm very comfortable with you. At the same time, it's just at the age of 48, I never thought I would worry about having a fat midsection. And I do. I think um, I feel like it's becoming a more talked about and more uh, recognized thing because of social media. I feel like, you know, Instagram, we, we see all these quote unquote perfect people. Right. And we everyone tends to compare themselves to, to others. And you see these people on, on these social media platforms who look like they have the perfect life. They look perfect. They eat perfect. Um, so I think it's important not to get like caught up in that. Um, and like you said, now at 40, I think even if, if you were a high school kid today, you know, it'd be almost even harder. Cause now at these, at a younger age, these kids are starting to, to think like that and develop that um, and, and feel like, wow, I have to be perfect and look like this. And that's, got to be hard for a high school kid too and these young kids uh growing up so but now like you said even even today I, I at your age i think it's it's so uh relevant you know you're on social media you see these people that they they look like they're living these perfect lives and, and it's hard not to compare yourself to them but um i think it's important to just be happy with who you are and um and, and be comfortable in your own skin that's something we have to look forward to our entire lives until we are no longer here. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best advice you would like to share with us? Um, I think it's pretty cliche, uh, but I guess I think anyone can do whatever they set their mind to. Um, they can achieve whatever they want to achieve with, with the hard work that comes with it and enjoying the process. Um, if something feels like a burden, it, it's probably not for you um and, and I, I try and tell people uh i coach youth wrestling i tell them when they get older like you can do what you love for a living you know what i mean you don't have to work the classic nine to five uh and, and just hate what you do find what you love find what sets that fire in you and if you care that much about it you'll find a way to make it your life and um that's kind of what i've been doing with fighting you know what i mean i couldn't see myself doing this nine to five normal job every day um, so I, I found what lit that fire in me and found a way to make it work. Yeah. You're too, you're too big. You're six foot, but also you're really <laughs> a, a large, a large, you know, very, uh, spirit, your spirit, your energy is huge. And what I really respect and like most about you, Tom, is you didn't say it, but I can feel it is you do your best. My perception is to have an open mind. Be considerate. You're considerate to other people. You believe that most people should have common sense to have balance, you know, not to, to know their space and to know their boundaries. And if there is something you want, just be transparent and clear about it and ask it and not play games. And then also at the same time, to be very, very obvious before making a move to let you know exactly what the intentions are so that you feel empowered and confident and where you can show and have respect most for that other person to to consider and to keep your options open as to is this going to be good for me is it going to be good for us and is it going to be a win-win to where it's going to do something for the betterment of the situation opportunity or other people down the road that's what i hear that's what I've learned about you. That's what I've learned about you here uh, today with us. And as someone that I, you know, who's 25 and I'm Gen X, you guys as millennials and Gen Z, I believe you fall in a Gen Z category. You are what we need and what we want most and what I've been looking for since my adolescence, people like you. Well, I appreciate that a lot. Um, you know, I, I try my best each day to just be positive and, and, and um, especially be positive to the people around you because you never know what, what people are going through. And, uh, you know, it, it's life's hard enough. So why make it harder for other people? Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Our generation is, uh, it gets a lot of flack sometimes, but, <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think the intentions are pure um, and there's, there's good people in all generations trying to do good things.
Keep in mind, I am an 80s kid, the, you know, growing up, the Motley Crue, Metallica, you know, eventually then, you know, Nirvana and Lil, Lil Peep and all of that. So we got the same gruff too, but it's by people or people who make that reference who don't want change and who still want control and power. Mm, I agree 100%. Um, change is important. You know, it's uh, it's how things improve. So I think to try and limit change and put a damper on change um, isn't isn't contributing in a good way. Absolutely. Tom, we know you're on Twitter. Uh, you can go to all great things, Tom Palarulo, uh, Tom Pags underscore MMA. That's Twitter. Then we've got your Instagram as at Tom Pags, T-O-M-P-A-G-S. I didn't, did my team send it over? Did you guys send it over? TikTok, you TikToking? I am not TikToking. Um, <laughs> I'm not TikToking yet. I might okay. be in the future. We'll see. That's the one I've stayed away from, but who knows? I'll probably be right. the UFC someday will require me to have one or something. So we'll see. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I, I guarantee you, you'll probably be getting a lot of good sponsorships. You'll be blowing up in the millions. Come on, you guys, you guys don't. You don't need to become somebody to do what you do best. You and your generation, you guys just come out in yourselves. And that's that's why you're you control the, the social media platforms. Yeah, I think uh it's the easiest time to become someone because of social media. It can be a blessing and a curse, but I think um it, it's the easiest time to to do what you love for a living. Who would you like to give a shout out to? Um Give a shout out to my team, the New England Cartel. Uh, my coach Tyson Chartier, teammates Rob Font, Calvin Cater, Nick Fiore, um, and just the whole crew. Man, they're uh, they're what gets me going each day and supports me in my dreams. My sponsors, girlfriend Savannah, uh, my family, her family, everyone. Man, I just got a great support system. I'm super grateful for uh, to have that and, and the people in my life. And just keep following along. I'm I'm hoping to have some bigger things in the future. Definitely, you know, stay in touch. You're part of the Power 98.5 family now. Uh, I consider you part of my family, you know, since we're here together. So all things, uh, you know, Tom Palarulo, Tom the Phenom Palarulo, keep me posted. If you're ever out in Vegas, out here on the West Coast, I would love to attend one of your lives. If they let me, I can bring my equipment and we can do a live right there or do a live either pregame, postgame, uh, postgame. Pre-fight, post-fight, <laughs> and uh, continue to support you and uh, your family and your mission. And uh, definitely loving those packages, uh, reasonable, uh, effortless, and uh, stay on the line. I, I definitely want to just uh, have a quick personal, you know, um, you know, be on with our day and, and uh, thank you with that. Also, I will uh, send you a text message uh, or can do that since we both have each other's number and uh send that package over to me this way you know in the future when you got a fight coming up whether myself for the satellite station anyone else i think would be a really really good fit for you uh, i'll have that on hand and and my team will have that awesome i appreciate that very much any closing thoughts before we head on out um just uh everyone thank you for listening thank you for having me um it's always nice to kind of go beyond what the sport is at the surface and dig a little deeper and, and tell our stories and um, show who we really are as people. We're not just athletes. Um, I feel like sometimes fighters get a, a misjudged by the sport we're in. We're all, we're all people. We're, most of us are, are nice people and very passive people. So thank you uh, for giving me the platform to speak. Thank you, Tom. Hang on the line. You don't mind, do you? Yep, no problem. All right. Uh, everyone, thank you so much. Tom... The Phenom, Palarulo, all great things about Tom. Head on over to his Instagram, Tom Pags, T-O-M-P-A-G-S. He's also on Twitter, at Tom Pags underscore MMA. Woo. Yeah, definitely be supportive. More often than not, because professionals like Tom, uh, they do this because they're passionate. They don't want to be in a mundane job not that there's anything wrong with it everyone has a purpose in life and a specific direction that you're going on this though 
is something that takes a lot of faith, a lot of persistence, a lot of uh, belief within themselves and within the people around them to be, not become, to be the greatness that they are. And what they're doing is they're just enhancing, elevating within their personal and professional evolution each and every day. And that's exactly what Mr. Tom, the Phenom Palarulo is doing and all other people in the world of you know MMA and boxing and jiu-jitsu and uh, football and everywhere else. Once again, we've got Georgie Karkanian, December 1st. Wait, that's tomorrow already, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Tomorrow. Wait, what? No, we got 31 days in this month. That's right. 30 days as September, April, June, and November. All the rest up 31. Yes, I still remember that. <laughs> uh, that is on December. Once again, uh, Georgie Karkanihan, December 1st, 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, we just had Tanner Howe, NBC The Voice Season 22. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to send this episode over to our distribution company today. So if you've just joined us, want to share it, catch up. It's going to be available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Amazon Audible, and iHeartRadio and many others. But those are the top ones. Remember, this is not a podcast. This is a radio show. 200 countries. Very grateful to all of my listeners, uh, friends and family from here and all around the world. My team out there in Manchester, UK and in New York, my East Coast people, I am from New Jersey, and very, very grateful for everyone out there. And uh, you know, here on the West Coast, where I'm currently at right now, finishing up on some projects. Haven't decided if I'm going to come back full time to the East Coast, but we will see. Uh, you know, maybe I'll stay. You know, by coastal as I have been. You know, have a place here and have a place there. Have a great day, everyone. Uh, happy year end. Hope everyone had a fun, safe holiday. Uh, remember, if you don't need to spend the money, don't spend it. When we think about Christmas, when we think about holidays, it is not about proving your love. It is not about buying someone's love. You've already done that over 300 days before the holidays. If you feel that someone's deserving to buy them a gift, buy them the gift. Remember, you are the gift. They are the gift. Money and objects do not come first. Who you are and the great things that make life worth living and being and be and evolving is what is most, whether you're educating, you're, you're being insightful, you're coming out with a book, quotes, all those things, just like Tom, just be truthfully you. Unapologetically, truthfully you. Live life gracefully live life with love, do it because you're choosing to do it, not because you have an expectation of getting something out of it. Have a great day, everyone, and we will talk and see you soon. Friend us on your socials and let's connect.